podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly View system, DLS. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Tired of lying awake, tossing and turning, just hoping for a few hours of sleep? Get the sleep you crave with the one-of-a-kind Tempur-Pedic. Only Tempur-Pedic uses proprietary temper material that continuously adapts and responds to your body to relieve pressure so you get deep, uninterrupted sleep all night, every night. The Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep starts now with all Tempur-Pedic mattresses on sale and savings up to $500 on adjustable sets. Learn more at TempurPedic.com. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, yeah. quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Hello everyone and welcome to the Cop Table Podcast. This is not your usual host Peter Phillips, it's Gav standing in for him. This show is brought to you in association with at Liverpool, at Liverpool Online. They have Instagram, they have Facebook, they have Twitter, they have all the social media and they're a good supporter of this podcast. Also, the Cop Table is a big supporter of the No More Knives campaign in Liverpool. If you go onto Twitter and look at No More Knives, you will see exactly what that's all about. Tonight, this is a preview of Liverpool versus Spurs at Anfield on Sunday at 4.30pm. With me, I have Jay Riley. Jay is a... He's just a regular on this show. He, he does all sorts of stuff. He does loads of stuff with, I think it's, he does stuff in the tower in Liverpool. He does, he, just Jay. He's just media Jay. And, uh, I'm gonna go, and also I have a sports fan and it's Mickey Hazard. Jay, I'm gonna come to you first and I'm going to talk about Liverpool win in Belgium against Genk last night. 4-1 victory. Um, how do you feel it went, Jay, overall and Liverpool's form overall? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously we were on the back of uh, a disappointing draw, shall we say, against Manchester United at Old Trafford. I mean, normally going to Old Trafford, you would say a point, uh, a good point really in any season, but we all know this is a poor Manchester United side and Liverpool wanted to sort of maintain that gap, didn't they, really, uh, that we had with Manchester City going for the title this season. But, you know, it's early days and it was, it was great to get a point at the end, really, after trailing in the first half to a very dubious goal, shall we say, with VAR, not, you know, covering itself in glory or Martin Atkinson. But going into this game against Genk, it was all about getting back to winning ways because don't forget in the Champions League, we did lose our first game against Napoli. So, Vitally important now to make sure we get four wins on the spin before the game that we've got in Salzburg in December because we want to make sure that that's a dead rubber really. We're having to go to Qatar for the World Club Championship. You know, we really want to win that competition because we've never won it before in our history. So I think, think Klopp will really have a go at that to try and win it. So the game against Salzburg really needs to be a dead rubber. So we've got two home games now coming up, which we'd have to really win them games against Genk at home and Napoli at home. But the game against Genk, I mean, 
I thought going into the game, I fully expect Liverpool to win the game because they're not a great side. I know they won the Belgian league last season, but they've made a few changes. I think they've got a new manager and got like a few few star players have left the club as well. So I was fully expecting Liverpool to win the game and that's exactly what happened. But I just thought in the first half, I mean, it was good for Liverpool and Klopp really to make a few changes for the game, you know, with this Spurs game in mind because, you know, so many players have, have, have had a lot of football this season and I know we're just on the back of an international break, but you know, some of them have played virtually every game this season. So it probably come at a good time really to rest a few players and obviously Trent was ill, wasn't he? Matip's got a little bit of a niggle. Um, and then obviously Henderson and Wijnaldum were, were on the bench last night so it allowed the likes of Naby Keita and Oxley chamberlain to get a start which much needed really you know for some game time and they certainly didn't let us down you know they showed us you know what we've been missing really in terms of creativity in the middle of the park and Oxley chamberlain set the tone really early on scored a very good goal into the corner from the edge of the box um, but the first half didn't really pan out as what we really expected because I thought at times Genk looked very dangerous and we were talking about this, you know, just before we've come on the pod now about it and I think, you know, everyone's saying, aren't they, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Abby Casey, you know, them with Fabinho's the way forward and that's the future midfield but it's not really that simple, is it? Because what you've got to realise is I thought Liverpool looked really open last night and certainly in the first half and what people don't really understand is, yeah, it's great having creative midfield players like Cater, who really good on the ball, his passing range was excellent. Oxley Chamberlain's obviously got an eye for goals. The second goal he scored last night was a, was a world class finish. It was incredible, really, wasn't it? What a great strike! But the problem is, it leaves us a little bit exposed, shall we say? And Fabinho's a bit more isolated then. And the thing is, with Klopp. In the big games, especially, he likes to play with a more rigid workman like midfield trio. And that trio is normally Fabinho, Henderson and Wijnaldum. And the reason why he likes it is because Liverpool's main source of attack is the fullbacks. Andy Robertson on the left-hand side and Trent Alexander-Arnold on the right-hand side. They're like wingers, really. And the reason why they're allowed to be like wingers is because Wijnaldum on the left-hand side and Henderson on the right-hand side... They drop in when they bomb on the fullback, so they cover them. So, I mean, it's a dilemma because it's good that we had the opportunity to do it last night against a, a poor Genk side, let's be honest about it, even though they were the champions of Belgium and not a great side. So Liverpool, you know, they had quite a lot of chances last night, scored four goals. But what you've got to think about is it's easy doing it, it's easier playing the likes of Cater and, and Oxlade-Chamberlain together as more forward-thinking midfield players against poor opposition. And that is the way forward against the lesser teams. But when you come up against the, the bigger and better teams, and one of them we're going to be playing on Sunday, which is going to be Tottenham, you can't be that adventurous because you're just so open, you just get cut apart, and that's the problem. And it also nullifies the fact that the forwards can't get forward, which is a, a key source for Liverpool, if you like, for scoring goals, because of the amount of assists that they create for the, the front three of Mane, Firmino and Salah. So I fully expect going into the game on Sunday for Henderson and Wijnaldum to return. And I know a lot of people will be upset about it, but I just that's the way I see it. But... um I just thought last night it was great for Oxlade Chamberlain to get a couple of goals, two very good goals. And then, you know, Salah set Mane up for a really good finish. 
And then Salah's goal was a moment of brilliance, really. You know, trickery in the box and slotted it in off the post. And, you know, four goals, fantastic. A little bit disappointing at the end for Liverpool to concede. Um, we haven't kept many clean sheets this season. I think it's three in 13 games. And just frustrating, really. And Dejan Lovland didn't cover himself in much glory. I mean... He should have just got got rid of the ball. It's had to be too clever, and he basically done a Lovren, didn't he? Which is an accident waiting to happen at times. And you know, they got the consolation goal, but you know we've got to be happy with a four-one victory away from home, and then we move on to this game on Sunday. You now, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you on the point that although it's nice to watch in certain games, like Oxley, Chamberlain, and Keita, I think we were very open. I think. I've said it before, I think our three attackers and our two fullbacks are our five attacking players on the pitch. I think our two centre-halves do what they do. Fabinho does what he does and the other two lads are there to cover left or right, depending on uh, what way we're attacking. But you do have to be happy with a 4-1 win. Uh, it was a disappointing result at Old Trafford um, on Sunday. And it's when you're looking to bounce back. You know, bounce back from, I suppose, against Spurs, and then you have a League Cup game, you have Villa, you have Genk again, then you, then it's the Man City game before the international break, but yeah, so, so far so good on, on all these things, and the Champions League group hopefully is starting to take a shape that is uh, absolutely beneficial to Liverpool. Mickey, um, on to Spurs, not the best start of the season, to, to say the least, um, disappointing draw with Watford, uh, at, uh, the new White Hart Lane on Saturday and but a good win in Europe on Tuesday night. Did that result for you on Tuesday night perk things up or is it masking problems that are there? Like I'm I'm very interested to find out what you how you feel about A how sports are playing and B the atmosphere in the camp. Well first of all can I just say thanks Jay. Um that was a great analysis of the Liverpool team and the performance and I'll be passing that on to Mauricio Pochettino uh <laughs> before Sunday's game. <laughs> uh, but no Spurs getting back to Spurs. Um, it's been a very up and down start to the season. Some very poor performances, some good performances, and um, you know um, Saturday against Watford was was for me very very poor in terms of what we are capable of. Um, of course, we, we they Watford played well. They sat eleven men behind the ball and tried to hit us on the break, um, and we didn't have the the guile to break them down. Um, but then going into Tuesday evening against um, Red Star Belgrade, um, what a different performance. Totally different team. Um, he decided on making quite a few changes, whether it was a, a rotational system with Liverpool in mind, I don't know. Uh, but Eric, Ericsson hadn't played on the Saturday against Watford. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he was just looking to get rid of uh, leave out some of the players that maybe are looking to leave come the end of the season. I don't know. Uh, but it certainly worked. The tempo, the quality of the game, the eye pressing, um, the quality of the play, the football, the passing, the movement. You know, I always say that when Spurs are at their very best, um, we circulate the ball much quicker. Um, we have great movement, not just um, running into space and getting and, and standing there waiting for the ball to arrive, running into space as the ball arrives. So you're coming in late behind everyone, um, and obviously opposition defences find that very difficult to pick up. If you make your run too early, you're in there, you get picked up, and top teams like Liverpool, um, they find it easier to stop that. But when the when the movement's coming late on the end of good passing sequences, um, it's very, very difficult to stop no matter how good you are. So um, there's lots of things... That we did well the other night, um, but if we're going to go and do well on 
um, Sunday, and I do think that we are capable, and we have done in the recent past. In fact, last season, you beat us 2-1, um, but Sissoko was cleaned through at 1-1 with about two minutes to go. Should have scored, put it over the bar, and then you break away and get that sort of lucky um, offside goal. VAR didn't rule it was offside, and, and, and then the deflection off, off Toby. So, um, in the recent past, there have been some great games between the two, particularly at Anfield. Um, and I, I, we're in no doubt this is going to be one mighty tough game. Liverpool have been phenomenal this season. Um, but I think that if I was Maurizio Pochettino and, and, and the players, I'd be watching that Manchester United game in the week, um, whereby tactically uh, Manchester United got things right. Manchester United are a very poor team and Liverpool really so, so much better than them at this moment in time. Um, I've fully expected them to win 3 or 4 nil. Um, But tactically, Manchester United kept Liverpool's full-backs sort of playing deeper. And I think that's the key to stopping Liverpool. Um, seems strange to be saying if you can stop their full-backs, you're going to stop the creativity. But um, the two full-backs for me at this moment in time are the best two attacking full-backs in Europe. Um, they play like left and right wingers at times. But because they come from deep, um, they always come in unmarked and are able to pick out quality crosses. Um, and both are great crosses of the ball, both are great strikers of the ball, and, and both can score goals. So, um, for me, they are the key. I think if um, we learn anything from the United game, we've got to learn that. Let's put their full-backs under pressure. Let's make them afraid to go so far forward with so much freedom, um, because what they leave behind is space. And if people like Son and Lamella or Mura, or whoever plays, gets into the gaps that they leave um, and, and exploits them, then that could draw them back and then take away quite a lot of Liverpool's weaponry. Um, so if I was manager, that's what I'd be advocating. Uh, let's let's make their full-backs play deeper. Um, but make no mistake about it, it's going to be a tough game for both teams. And, and I think that from a Spurs perspective, we have to weather the storm. There's going to be... A, every time you play at Anfield, every time I played at Anfield, wow, that first 20 minutes was like, wow. You couldn't catch your breath. It was so fast. Um, they came at you like you know, any old team should. Um, but even more, and with the cup behind them, they were just absolutely almost unstoppable. And in my day, they were the best team in Europe. So it made it even more difficult. Um, but whether the first 20, 20 25 minutes dampen the enthusiasm of the crowd take, uh, and then start asserting your game on on Liverpool. Uh, and this game's wide open. It, it's, it's anybody's. And, and Tottenham certainly should have... get. We should have gained loads of confidence from Tuesday night. I know we didn't play against a great side, but whatever, you've still got to go out and do it and perform. Um, and the manner in which we won was, was um, really nice to see because I would have took a 1-0 win with a great performance. But we had a great performance and won 5 nil, So it, it was wonderful to see. Uh, and it set us up for an absolutely brilliant match on Sunday. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. I think everybody's looking forward to it. It's one of those games that in recent years, as, as Mickey said, and at Anfield and at White Hart Lane and at Wembley at times, you know, it's, it's been a really, really good fixture because both, both like to attack. And, you know, up to probably 18 months ago, Liverpool weren't the best at the back. Van Dijk has changed all that. But it was both really good attacking sides that they like to go with each other and it usually will come out in a really good game. Jay, Mickey t- touches on something there just before we move on and it's, it's the game at United. And 
you know, a lot of people after the game were disappointed and he points out one thing really, really well and it's something that stuck with me throughout the game and it was our fullbacks. And I heard people say, you know, uh, Liverpool gave gave Manchester United too much respect. I agree with that. Do, do you think that was a one-off in what way the fullbacks were doing? Because I think the only way United were going to get at Liverpool was down the sides and Liverpool tried to counteract that and trust themselves to beat them over the rest of the pitch. But I, I don't think, Jay, and I don't know if you agree with me, but I don't think the United game is the best game to look at Liverpool because I, I, I don't fully agree with Mickey when he says that tactically they got it right because I just think Liverpool had a very bad, very, very off day. You know what? I, I felt that, I mean, when we played Sheffield United at Bramall Lane, I thought their system sort of like flummoxed us a little bit because the Obviously, everyone, it's well documented that they play with the full-backs quite high up and they play with three centre-halves, but they have one centre-half that bombs on. And they just sort of, like, we struggle to, to cope and adapt to the shape of their team and the formation and the tactics that they employed on the day. And it was quite refreshing, really, that we sort of, like, had to think on our feet because in the first half... You know, you're looking at you're looking for leaders on the pitch, and because obviously Klopp sets sets the team, he, he picks the team, and then the tactics and like the formation and what have you, and and the blueprint to go out and perform in the first half. But then when things aren't working, you need leaders on the pitch to sort of like mix it up and change it, and you know take take the game by the scruff of the neck if you like. And I thought we really struggled to cope with things until towards the end of the first half in that game, and Mane should really have put us in front. He hit the post, I think, didn't he? And we got a fortuitous win. Really because the goal that Wijnaldum scored was a keeper howler but I think similar happened at Old Trafford to tell you the truth I just thought it was a surprise that they put you know they went with three centre-halves and they pushed the full-backs further up the pitch Wan-Bissaka on the right-hand side and Ashley Young on the left-hand side and Liverpool just seemed to struggle with it but I, I, I just think Liverpool it, there's something about Old Trafford it's like a graveyard for us no matter how bad Manchester United are, and we, we spoke about this on the podcast last week, we went there last season and drew nil nil, and it was probably our worst Premier League performance of the season. And yet again, we went to Old Trafford. They were in poor form in the bottom half of the table. Liverpool flying high at the top of the table, full of confidence. And you go there, and, and it, I thought the performance, especially in the first half, was a shambles. I mean, we just didn't get going and we froze. And, and and God only knows why, because, you know, they haven't got very many good players, Manchester United. I know, like, the likes of Rashford's decent and he scored a few goals against us now, hasn't he? And you were missing, like, loads of players from last season, even. You know, last season they had Lukaku's goal threat. They had Pogba in the middle of the park. They had, um, they had obviously a proper left-back in Luke Shaw. Uh, you know, this time around, they had, like... The team was awful. You're looking at it thinking this, as Mickey said then, three or four in Liverpool. It just didn't happen. And yeah, okay, in the second half, we got a bit more of a foothold in the game. And, you know, it was when Cater come on and he come on towards the end. I mean, when actually Chamberlain come on, sorry, he came on with half an hour to go. And then Cater came on and Lalana as well, didn't he? And Liverpool did. We, we were in control towards the end of the game and it, I think we deservedly got a point because we've all said, you know, the VAR decision, absolute disgrace really, I was allowed to stand because it's a clear foul on Oregon, isn't it, in the build-up to the goal. But, you know, Liverpool got the points and you, you get out of there, don't you, because it was a poor performance. But I just think 
that wasn't your stereotypical Liverpool performance. Though Liverpool cannot be that bad again. It was another shocking performance again at Old Trafford. I just think Liverpool played the name Manchester United because they're our biggest rivals historically, and I think we played the name rather than you know the team that's in front of you, which is a poor Manchester United team. And you know we dropped two points the way I see it. Regardless of getting the late equaliser, it was two drop points. We have to make sure now going forward into this game in Spurs that you know does them mistakes don't happen again. And regardless of whether you know Pochettino looks at that game and thinks, well, this is how to do it, and we we will sort of like negate Liverpool's fullbacks. I just can't see it because they've got their own players, they've got their own team and ideas where they will back themselves to. They probably think they've got just as good, if not better, players than what Liverpool have. I mean, you go back to the Champions League final. Liverpool didn't really play very well, if anything. Tottenham were the better team in that final. Liverpool just caught them cold at the start of the game and then obviously wrapped it up towards the end of the game when they were pushing for an equaliser. So, you know, there's no way Spurs are going to come and play like a relegation for the team, which is pretty much what Manchester United done last week at Old Trafford. They just wanted to contain and stop and negate Liverpool's, you know, the, the attacking options that we've got in terms of the source of it. I can't see Tottenham doing that. I really don't see it because they've got too many good players to do that. Yeah, it's just, for me, just like when I look back at Old Trafford quickly, it wasn't even... For me, it wasn't what United were doing tactically. It was just we weren't stringing passes together. The tempo wasn't great. The the way we moved the ball and you know like the little triangles we can play just wasn't happening. And the fullbacks being a little bit deeper was probably us coming out and trying to see what United had. And then we just, even though we'd seen they didn't have that much, we couldn't seem to get ourselves to click up a gear and then go and play our game. Ironically, we make a couple of changes with 20, 15, 20, 25 minutes to go and we completely take control of the game. And if the game goes on another 10 minutes, I think you know Liverpool probably win it 2 or 3-1. They were, they were that dominant towards the end when they finally threw off the shackles and said, hold on, we're just a better side. We go out and beat these. We, they just ran out of time. Mickey, you... you, uh, you it was touched on earlier about... Um, or you touched on it about certain players that may you know, want to leave Spurs at the end of the season. And it's been an interesting kind of tread through Spurs from the start of the season. You know, there was talk of Ericsson that, you know, he wanted to go and they didn't get a substantial offer that would, would allow that to happen. Toby all the world, I know, had a clause in his contract and is, I think is in his last year. There's, there's bits and pieces have come out in the media with regards to problems in the background and stuff like that. But do you think that's affecting Spurs throughout this season? That there could be players that are just... You know, say for argument's sake, turning up for Champions League because they got a taste of it last year and that's their, that's their goal this season. Do you think there might be a little bit of issues behind the scenes there? Uh, there's obviously issues behind the scenes with regard to players out of contract, etc., wanting to leave, uh, go to other clubs. Of course, there's issues, but I, I'm old school. I think that, um, while you are employed by any football club, um, the minute you pull that white shirt, red shirt, blue shirt on, um, then you are paid not to think about where you're at. And, and it's in your best interest to play well, because um, if you don't play well, why would a big club come, come and sign you? Um, so what I say is that if any player uses the fact that they want to leave or their contract's expired or this, that and the other, then that's all it is. It's an excuse. Um, you, you have to be fully committed for that club that you're employed by um, until you're not there anymore. Um, and I'm old school like that. And, and, and I, I like to think that 
every player at Tottenham whose contract is up at the end of the season or they're looking to move in the January window. I'm old school. I like to think that each and every one of them is committed to the um, the cause of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club until they're no longer there. Um, now, it, it, it's been an excuse. Uh, it's easy for the press to write that it's an unhappy squad or it's this or it's that. It's easy for the fans to say um, they're not trying because they want to leave. Um, I sort of try to rise above that and I try to assess and judge them on the basis of, you know, I played with players who wanted to leave uh, and I've got to say that never ever would I have known on the pitch that they wanted to leave because when they were out on that pitch, they gave 100%. Um, and I hope and pray that our players have done exactly the same because if they haven't, if they are taking it easy, then that is totally and utterly wrong. They owe it to the fans. They owe it to the club. More importantly, they owe it to themselves to be totally committed. Um, but yes, so much on, on some side of the football club, then it, it has had an impact. You know, if you, if you read on Twitter week in, week out comments about players that contracts are up, um, or want to leave and have stated that they want to leave, they don't want them in the team. So that impacts on the atmosphere in and around the club. Um, and it's no coincidence. On Saturday, it's Tuesday night, um, when some of the players who'd made comments weren't in the starting 11. Um, the atmosphere was incredible uh, and, and the tempo and commitment of the, the team seemed absolutely what it's been for the last four years. Um, and of course, because of the quality players that Jay's talking about, they get a 5 0 victory. Um, so sometimes you have to forsake your better players if they've stated they want to leave. Um, for a, a better team atmosphere on the pitch where everybody's pulling the same way. So, um, yeah, as, as it impacted, I, I think in a, a small way it has. Um, but I'm, I'm still, I still like to think that each and every player is out there giving their all. Yeah, I agree with you. I just, I think, I think you're spot on when you say once you pull on the short, uh, you, you have to give everything you, everything you have every, every, every Saturday or Tuesday or whatever day you're playing for whatever club you're playing for. Uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk about uh, how we think this game may go on Sunday and some predictions. Before I do, I'd just like to introduce some music this week. The music is from a band named Zilla and the, the track is called Burning Sky. It's from their debut album Distance Minds, which is out now. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, etc. Um, so this track is called Burning Sky by Zilla.
and that was Burning Sky by Zilla, spelled X-I-L-L-A, for anybody that wants to look it up. And that was from their debut album, Distant Minds. Jay, this game on Sunday, um, we've talked around Liverpool's form, we've talked around sports form. You know, we we had Matip and, say, Trent out as, uh, for the game last night. So they, we're hoping that they come back. Trent looks like it's a virus, so we should be okay. Matip, it's, a, it's an annoying knee injury, I think, is what, what Jurgen Klopp called it. But how do you see this game going, Jay? And, and what would be your predicted lineup? Well, I fully expect um, to be a tough game because Spurs are still a very good side. I mean... I know they've had a poor start to the season and they did get a hiding in Europe off Bayern Munich and backed that up with a poor defeat, really, away to Brighton 3-0, which I don't think many seen that coming. And in that game, they got a, a bad injury to the goalkeeper, Hugo Lloris, which it's not ideal because I know at times you can make a, the odd mistake, but he's still a very good goalkeeper in my opinion. And you know the, the international break came really for quite possibly a good time for them because it gave them the opportunity to players that stay there to regroup but then also obviously the international players to go and have a little break and go with the national teams and they've, they've come back and it, it didn't really fix a great deal because they drew with Watford which I think everyone had that down as a, as a bank at home win regardless of Spurs form um, this season so I mean that was a, quite a poor draw really and, and the goal that they did score was a little bit fortuitous again another VAR incident that you know everyone's pulling their hair out at because it's just such a frustrating system isn't it I mean you know we, we're none the wiser for me it's still human error because whoever's watching in the control room they're still not making the correct decisions in my opinion so you know it's it's very infuriating but then the only thing is they have had a good victory in midweek in the Champions League, haven't they, against Red Star Belgrade. But as Mickey said at the start of the podcast, you know, it was a game that they were fully expected to win and it was more about fine tuning really and getting a little bit of confidence back after the poor start. So no matter what, it's gonna be a tough game because they might have a point to prove as well, because don't forget they were our opponents in Madrid in the Champions League final, Liverpool beat them and they suffered the heartbreak, didn't they? So this is their opportunity now to sort of like redeem themselves, if you like, and, and quite a lot of them players who were playing in that final, I'm sure they will start the game on, on Sunday. And, you know, they'd be, they'd be eager, won't they, to, to right them wrongs. And I fully expect to be a tough game because Liverpool, if you look at, yeah, we've had a great start to the season. We've won eight out of nine. We're on the back of a draw, army in the league games with Manchester United. But some of our games have been really tight recently. I mean, we beat Sheffield United 1-0, as I said before, a fortuitous Wijnaldum goal, goalkeeping error. We also beat Leicester 2-1. It was a last-minute penalty, wasn't it, um, for the foul on Sadio Mane. Um, other than that, you know, we went to Chelsea and won 2-1 away from home, which we were hanging on a little bit towards the end. So it's not we haven't really been massively convincing in, in a lot of our games recently. So I, I still think it'll be a tough game. I really do, Spurs. We've got some very good players and you know, I think they'll 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 be on it really on Sunday, and I think Liverpool will have the work cut out. And, and I just think the the, the midfield's going to change. There's no two ways about it. I can definitely see Henderson and Wijnaldum coming back into the midfield area at the expense of Cater and Oxley Chamberlain. And I know a lot of people won't be happy about that, but it's just the way Klopp tends to go in, in the in the big games against the better teams. It's as simple as that because 
you know, the midfield trio, it just sort of like, as I said before, it protects the defence and it also helps the fullbacks bomb on. So, you know, I just think that'll be the midfield trio. A lot does depend on whether Joel Matip's fit enough to return from the knee injury that he's got. Personally, I don't think he will be because as we've seen last weekend with Mo Salah, he didn't train properly with the group all week. He was doing solo work and he just wasn't ready to play at Old Trafford. But then he does play three days later in Belgium. So that tells its own story. If you don't play all the time, then, you know, if you don't train all the time, sorry, then you won't be selected to start the game. And I, and I just, I can't see Matter being ready for the game, to be honest. We'll see. I mean, there's a couple of training sessions between now and then, but I can see it being either Gomez or Lovren. And to be honest, I pray to God it's Gomez because Dejan Lovren, as we said before, he's an accident waiting to happen. And look what happened in the game against Genk in midweek. I mean, you know, decision making is really poor at times and a bit brainless as well. So I think Joe Gomez should get the nod for me, really. Trent Alexander Isles should be okay because, as you say, it's only a virus. So hopefully he'll be fine for the game. And then it'll be the normal front three, as we know, you know, the fantastic unplayable at times and finish the game really strongly against Genk with Mane scoring a goal and assist from Salah and obviously Mo Salah he returned a favour didn't he Mane put it into Salah but fantastic goal individual goal really by Salah so that, that's the team for me um, and you know I, I just think there'll be goals in it because Tottenham have got goals in their side as we know we're there with Son brilliant player um, I think he'd shoot Liverpool down to the ground really We've also got Harry Kane, who's also a goal machine. Um, Deli Ali got on the score sheet last weekend, so he might be returning to a little bit of form because he's been poor for a while, hasn't he? Um, so I just think, you know, there's goals in the game, but uh, I think Liverpool will just have a little bit too much for Spurs with it being at Anfield, and I'll go for a 3-1 Liverpool win. Very good, very good. So the team you're going with is Alisson, Trent, uh, hopefully Gomez, Van Dijk, Robertson, Wijnaldum, Henderson, Fabinho, Mane, Salah, and Firmino. Um, decent side that I, I more or less agree with you. Um, I have a feeling you might go with Lovren instead of Gomez though, but I'd like to see your team line up, to be honest, if Matthew's not available. Uh, Mickey, coming back to you. Um, Spurs going to Anfield, as you said, big game. It's a chance, it's probably a chance for them to put the Premier League season back on track if they were to go and get a draw and even better a win at Anfield on Sunday looking at that Liverpool side the Jay Fields may line up and you know it's probably our strongest 11 bar one player what way do you think Spurs go into this what way do you think they line up and ultimately what what's your prediction for the weekend first of all I think that it's very very important um, that uh, the Spurs boys um, when they arrive at Anfield, it's a very, very special place. Um, of all the grounds in England that I played at, um, I've, I rarely won there. I was part of the team that won for the first time for 72 years um, since the Titanic sank. So, uh, But if you go to Anfield, not to get overawed by the occasion, to go there um, with belief and confidence that you're a good side, you're a good player, and you can go and do the business there because it's easy to get so, and when you walk out the crescendo of noise from the the Liverpool fans because they are brilliant fans and you know so um, it's important that you don't let uh, and as you spoke touched on earlier with Liverpool Old Trafford in the week there you know maybe 
um, going there and getting a bit negative, uh, playing the occasion rather than the game. Um, what, what, it's the same at Anfield. When you turn up at Anfield, um, uh, uh, the history of this fantastic football club um, sometimes can overpower you. Uh, it's important that that doesn't happen. You go there and you have to have the belief that you can go there and win or go there and perform. Um, you've got to go there and be ready. Uh, if you're not ready um, as a an individual or a team going to old, uh, to Anfield, then you shouldn't be playing football because this is what being a footballer is all about. You want to go to places like Anfield and Old Trafford and, and um, the New Camp and, uh, uh, you know, these places, they motivate you. You don't need to motivate yourself. When you arrive, you, you walk through the, the gates and I used to love, as you walk down the tunnel and you saw this is Anfield above, I used to love it. I used to, I used to feel inspired when I saw it. Um, that <laughs> didn't help us half the time because we lost. Um, but, but, you know, we did win that on, on that one occasion, which was amazing because Liverpool were the best team in Europe. Um, so it's important. And, and we've got a lot of players who are very experienced now. They've played in Anfield. They've, they've, they've performed there. They've, they've competed brilliant with Liverpool in the last two or three years, particularly at Anfield. Um, so, We've got to go there and believe and be confident that we can do it. Yes, we know we've got to weather the storm. We, uh, we've got to fight and hurry and tackle and chase um, until we can assert our authority on them. We know where the dangers are. They've got an incredibly top, top-notch forward line of, of Salah, Firmino and, and, and Mano, Mane, uh, different class. Um, so we know that they'll always be a threat. You can never have a second's rest. You've got the two full-backs, um, Trent and uh, Robertson, um, Trent, Trent Alexander and Robertson, and, and, and you sort of, uh, you think, wow, you know, how do you stop this football team? Um, they are so good. But then you look at the midfield that, that you've predicted might play, I think it will play. Um, they are very workmanlike, very, very hard-working, very committed, um, never give an inch. But not the most creative creative of players um, so you can feel a little bit sort of inspired if you can take uh, as I sort of tend to think that a lot of games are won in the, if you win the centre midfield battle and it's a battle that we can win um, so uh, it's going to be a great game it's going to be an exciting game I agree with Jay there's going to be goals both teams have got such attacking quality both teams have got players that can score goals out of nothing um, so uh, I'll be very surprised if this ends up nil-nil or one-one. Um, it's more like a two-two, a three-two, a three-one, a four-two, a four-three. You know, there's goals in this fixture because there's top-notch forwards on the football pitch. Um, so I hope, uh, I sincerely hope that um, Pochettino uh, sticks with a team that won five-nil in the week. Um, the only position that I would sort of maybe have a look at is Aurier at right back. Um, you know, he can be a bit erratic on his days, good, but he can be erratic and going to a place like Anfield, you're not going to get, uh, the decisions on your side for certainly not unless VAR works in your favor. Um, and he is prone to making, um, sometimes mistimed tackles. Um, so maybe have a look at that position, but in general, the, the team deserved to play because of that play the other night. Lamella was outstanding. Son, Kane. Delhi, um, the Nundumbelli was excellent. Um, Sosoko's, you know, he covers a lot of ground and competes very well. So, so I would expect to go with pretty much a similar team that 
that started on Tuesday night. I certainly hope so because sometimes, you know, the rotation, you get a great result. The team's full of confidence. The individual are full of confidence. confidence. Um, sometimes you go with it on the basis of that rather than, oh, rotate. We've rested a couple of players, but um, and, and leave them out. Leave them out. Stick with the team that's got a bit of momentum, got a bit of confidence and have played at a very high tempo. Um, but mark my words, this is going to be a tough, tough game for both teams. And I think that the first 25 minutes will be a, uh, a massive, massive part of the game. If, if, if we can weather that 25 minutes and, and come through it at nil-nil, or even nicking a goal as we did at Manchester City last season um, in the Champions League quarterfinal, um, if we can nick a goal in that first 25 minutes, get them on the back foot, we've got a chance. But if they, if you let them steamroll you in that first 25 minutes, as they can and are capable of, then the game will be over in the first first off. So it's the first 25 minutes for me is the key to the game. Keep it at nil-nil. Um, you give yourself a great chance of nicking something later down the line. So um, can't wait for it. I know you guys can't, but I'm so excited for it because we need we need to show that we've got what it takes to compete with the big boys, the, t- the teams at the top of the table, because we can. Um, I know we can. We have done. Um, but but this season, there's been a, 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 an undercurrent that sort of, when the going got a bit tough, we, we haven't seemed to be able to, to, to raise our level. Um, and I'm hoping that the confidence gained from Tuesday night means going to Liverpool will raise our level. And it's, there's no bigger game um, to see what you're made of um, and I always say um, it's time for the men to step up and, and, and show that they're ready for the fight. Uh, um, but whatever happens, one tough, tough, tough game. And I predict, I find it very difficult to ever predict anything but a Spurs win. Um, but if someone offered me a draw now, I would take the draw. But if I was predicting, I'd have to see a, a 3-2 Spurs win. Okay. So a 3-1 for Jay, a 3-2 for Mickey. Um my thoughts on it, I will be doing more shows on this during the week on the Fatback 4 Daily, but, um, early, uh, do you know what, I'm not gonna give a prediction, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to a couple more Liverpool and a couple more sports fans before I give a prediction, um, probably, probably tomorrow or, or Saturday I'll give that prediction, but, lads, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to both of you, um, to stand in for Peter tonight, it's been a brilliant conversation around Liverpool and around sports. Jay, thanks a million for joining me. Cheers, boys. It's been good, and uh, you know, just let's enjoy the game on Sunday. I'm sure it'll be a cracker. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I, I, um, I echo Mickey's thoughts when I said when I think, and, and Jay's as well when I say that um, I think this will have goals. Mickey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Love coming on your show. Come on, I've been coming on it for about three or four years now. It's a great show. Keep up the good work. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Mickey. And uh, I'll pass them sentiments on to Peter. And uh, look, that's been the Cop Table podcast for, for today. Um, the preview of the Spurs game at home at Anfield on Sunday in the Premier League. Um, the lads should be back next week with our next preview of for a Premier League game. Um, hopefully I won't be here. Peter will be back. I'm back in the seat. I'm back in the chair. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Over and out. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. 
I got my kids summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles. Ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.